Today, we're looking at a question. We're going to answer a question today, and this is probably one of the most asked questions or questions related to this issue of any that I have gotten over the year. I think I'm answering this one and dealing with this one more than any other, and I think it's very important that we get a handle on it and that we do answer it because understanding this will go a long way in liberating and bringing freedom to your life. The question is this, if I'm saved, then why do I still sin? If I'm saved, then why do I still sin? Many people believe and teach that once you become a Christian, sin will no longer be a problem in your life. Now, I would say the vast majority of ministries teach that. This certainly doesn't line up with the Bible, though, and what the Bible says. Here's the problem, folks. This wrong idea leads to confusion. It leads to fear. It leads to turmoil and the creation of false teaching. Man has tried to come up with all kinds of answers, and those answers, though, have only made things worse. The man who led me to Christ years ago, I was just a baby Christian, but it was one of those things I've never forgotten. He said this. He said, Carnal Christianity is not solved by adding works to the gospel. And there is great, great truth in that. Because of this issue, because once a person is saved, yes, they do still sin. As I mentioned, it not only leads to all kinds of false doctrine, but everything that false doctrine brings with it, the baggage and the problems and the heartache. And can I even tell you this, folks, the insanity in some cases that people experience. Here are some of the errors being taught today. By the way, there are more. I've shortened the list because of time. I have heard every one of these, and many of you have heard most of these. But here are some of the things being taught. If you haven't forsaken all your sin, you were never really saved to begin with. You had a head belief and not a heart belief. Well, that's not going to encourage anybody. It's not going to point them in the right direction. Here's another one. If you haven't repented of all your sin, you are not saved yet. You have to really mean business with God and repent of all your sins. Here's another one. If you're saved, then you won't practice sin. You may sin, but you won't practice it. By the way, most study Bibles will have notes talking about that thing, and they'll actually put that in the notes, something similar to that. Here's another one. If you are still desiring the things of the world, you're probably not saved. You can't go to heaven if you're hanging on to the world. Here's one, and no one knows what it means, but people love to say it. If Christ is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. That is a foolish statement. Listen, Jesus Christ is Lord whether you make him Lord of your life or not. If you come to church with a sour or negative disposition... Don't fool yourself into thinking you're going to heaven. Did you hear that one? Yeah, how ridiculous that is. It's ridiculous. Some of you aren't saved this morning. (laughs) Some of you watching are not saved. I know who you are. Just kidding. If you're not tithing, you will not go to heaven. If you've grown cold towards the Lord, you were probably never truly saved to begin with. Listen, I'm telling you these things and I'm getting all these cross-references parading through my mind that refute 
these absolutely foolish statements that are being made by preachers, by teachers, by evangelists, by study Bibles, by commentaries. It's all over the place, folks. And here's another one. If you do not endure and persevere as a Christian to the end of your life, you were never a real Christian to begin with. All true Christians endure to the end. Then according to that, you could never know you're a true Christian unless you die in the faith. And by the way, that is what Calvinism teaches. That is the doctrine of perseverance. See, discovering the truth on this issue we are covering is one of the greatest keys you will ever learn to unlocking the scriptures, and it will bring freedom and peace into your life when you understand it and know how to handle this. What we are talking about today is we are talking about the biblical teaching of the two natures of the believer, the two natures of the believer. And so we're just going to go right through this today. I think you're going to find it systematic, hopefully very understandable. First thing we're going to look at, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 51, the reality of the two natures. First, we're going to look at the old nature, the old nature. Every one of us has an old nature. Okay, you might say, well, everybody believes that. No, they don't. The old nature, it is also called the sin nature. It is also called, in the scriptures, it's called the old man. It's called the flesh. There's many names for it. In Psalm 51, David said this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We have inherited a sin nature. That is why we sin, okay? With conception comes a sin nature. When you were conceived, you were conceived a sinner from that very point of conception. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's our nature to sin. And because of that, we are lost and we are corrupt. This is how we come into the world. We're sinners. Now, you know, it's hard to look at a new beautiful baby and say, oh, such a little sinner. Okay. None of us do that. Well, most of us, maybe somebody does. Okay. But folks, here's the point. You may not see the sin nature, but sooner or later, that sin nature will manifest itself in different ways. Some very outward, some by inward attitudes. Nevertheless, rebellion is in the heart of every person. The sin nature. Turn with me to Matthew chapter, or not Matthew, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We have a sin nature. This is why people sin. This is why the world is the way it is today. It is because of sin. By one man, sin entered into the world, Adam, and death through sin. The wages of sin is death. That's why people die. It all began with sin. Sin entered into the world, death through sin. Not only did it pass upon all mankind, it passed upon all of creation as well. And that is why we have what we have today in the world and the problems we have today in the world. Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, Paul said this. Now, I'll mention this again later, but he was saved 25 years when he wrote Romans. And he says in Romans 7, 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh, he's talking about his old nature, dwelleth no good thing. Do you see that? No good thing. 
For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Now, folks, because of this sin nature, this is why we need a new birth if we are going to get to heaven. You don't get to heaven by cleaning up the old man, okay? By making promises, by making promises to reform, to change, to all these things. Listen, being moral is fine, but that's not going to save you. It won't get you to heaven. Morality doesn't get anybody to heaven. Jesus, in John chapter 3, I want you to turn there with me. Jesus was talking to a very religious man. His name was Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, okay? He was, he was a great teacher, quote unquote, within his realm, within the Pharisees. Very well known, very popular, and yet Jesus dealt with him, and he dealt with him on a heart level, okay, on the innermost being. Okay, Nick, look, you keep the law as best you can. You're sincere, okay? You're even seeking. He came to Jesus by night, but Jesus cut right to the chase. Nicodemus said, you're a great teacher. And Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you want to go to heaven, you have to be born again. Why? Because you're corrupt in your old nature you're lost, you're fallen. You can't do anything about it. You can, you can try to reform your life and clean up your act, but that will not give you the righteousness you need to go to heaven. You need a new birth that is perfect. You need a new nature that is perfect. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 50, it says this. Paul says, now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption, flesh and blood, inherit incorruption, being with the Lord in eternity. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Here in John chapter 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, look, Nicodemus, you're a good man, you're a moral man, you're a teacher of the law, you respect the ways of God, but you got to be born again if you're going to get into the kingdom. You got to be born again. You need a new birth because the old one's not good enough. It's corrupt. It's sinful. You're lost. And so Jesus tells him how to be born again in verse 16. And he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you'd look up here, let me explain it at this point today. Pay very close attention. This hand represents you and me, and we're going to let my wallet represent our sin, all the things we do wrong. Now, again, we do things wrong because we're sinners. It's just as natural for a man to sin as it is for a dog to bark or a cat to go meow or whatever sound they make. Listen, friend, God loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. To get to heaven, we have to be sinless, yet we are not sinless. We're sinners. Jesus said you have to be born again. How do you do that? God gave his only begotten son. Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be born again, God giving us everlasting life. The wages of sin is death. If we pay for our own sin, we'll be lost forever in hell. But God doesn't want that for us. No amount of good works will take away the sin. A death payment must be made. 
That's why God sent his son. Now, when Jesus gave verse 16, it was on the foundation of what we find in the verses right before it about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. All those people were bitten by a serpent. They were going to die. But all they needed to do when he lifted up the serpent on the pole, all they needed to do was look and they would live. That's it. All they had to do is look. What is that? That's faith. Look at that. They looked. That was faith. God sent his son into the world because there's nothing we could do to earn our way to heaven. Our good works, not good enough. Jesus came, this hand representing him, God in the flesh. He went to the cross and he took our sin upon himself. He died so we don't have to. He died, he paid our sin debt. Past, present, and future, all your sin has been paid for through Christ. He was buried, he rose from the grave, and the Bible says if you will believe in him that he did that for you, the moment you do, he gives you everlasting life. The payment he made for you is good on your behalf when you believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is how a person is born again, by putting your faith in Christ. You're not saved by your works. What does the Bible say? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God's grace is unmerited favor. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, he saves you by his grace. You notice it's not of ourselves. It's not something we can manufacture or do. Why? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The old nature can't earn it, can't be good enough. We need a new birth to enter into the kingdom. Jesus said, if, you, if, you don't, if you're not born again, you won't see the kingdom. You won't enter the kingdom. You need a new birth. And so the Bible tells us when a person trusts Jesus Christ as their own personal savior, they're saved forever. And when we trust Christ, we receive, when we trust Christ, a new nature a new nature. It is born of God. More about that in just a moment. You're in John chapter 3. Look at verse 6. Jesus said this, very key, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Okay? When we're born into the world, look up here. When we're born into the world, we're going to let this arm represent our flesh nature, what we're born with. It is sinful. It is lost. It is corrupt. Religion says, I will clean things up. I will make some promises with God. I will behave myself. I will stop the evil things. I'll start doing good things and that will make me fit for heaven. God says, no, it's corrupt. Can't inherit the kingdom. To inherit the kingdom, you have to be born again. You need a new nature. And so when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are born again. Now, class, before we move on, as you're looking up here. Now, let me tell you, some theologians don't like what I'm about to say. And I'll show you, and I'll quote them in just a minute, one of them. How many natures do you see? Two natures. That is key. Remember that, okay? Remember that. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 3. Whereas Nicodemus had a flesh nature by natural birth, now he would receive a new nature from above by spiritual birth by God himself. So it's not something 
Nicodemus could do for himself. It was something that God had to do for him. That's why we're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, remember in John 3, Jesus said this, that which is born, watch this, look up here, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Two natures. Notice the contrast between the old and the new. One nature is our natural one that we are born with. It is corrupt. The other is of the Lord. It is spiritual. It is perfect. It is a perfect nature that is imparted to us the moment we trust Christ as Savior. The two are absolutely, completely separate. Now, here's the truth. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we lose our sin nature once we are saved. Yet that is what's being taught today in many circles. This should be obvious if we are honest. Now, I know there's a lot of people who get saved, and when they get saved, they're so excited about it. I mean, they're a child of God. They have an awareness that they're a child of God. They've got an understanding of Scripture they've never had before. Within them, there's that spiritual birth that loves the things of God. A lot of this takes place with a lot of people at the beginning. Not everybody, but some people. And yet, you know what happens, folks? If we don't go on and learn how to walk with the Lord, more about that later, we will start gravitating back to the old nature because this is what we've known our whole life. And we'll live according to the old man. And this idea of the new nature in us becomes kind of almost like a distant foreign concept. We're not in tune with that as much as we're in tune with the old man that we were used to for all those years. Listen, if you gravitate to this, it doesn't necessarily mean you don't have this. What it means is you have chosen either through habit or whatever to gravitate to the old man. Is that good? No, it's not good. But that is the way it is. As a matter of fact, every time we choose to obey the flesh instead of the spirit, that is what we're doing. We're yielding to the old man in us. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that we lose our sin nature once we get saved. And really, that should be obvious if you're honest, because if once you're saved, you still have evil thoughts, evil actions, you still do things wrong, you still get controlled by pride or anger or these kind of things. Once you're saved, it shows. What are all those things, by the way? What are they? They're sins. Well, see where the confusion now comes in? Wait a minute. If I'm saved, why do I still sin? Because when you got saved, you didn't lose your old nature. You gained a new nature. But guess what? He's still there. He's still there. That's why you sin. Otherwise, where does it come from? Where does sin come from in the life of a Christian? These are serious questions. Well, let's put first things first. We see that there is the reality of the two natures. There's the old sin nature, but secondly, there's the new nature. Now, this new nature, this is the new birth given to us when we believe. In 1 John chapter 3, Verse 9 points to that. Every believer has a new nature. And it says, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed, God's seed, 
remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, people will look at that and they'll say, well, that's troubling. It can't mean what it says. Hmm, wait a minute. Somebody else said that way back in Genesis chapter 3. Oh, yeah, it was the devil. Yea, hath God said. No, it says what it says, and it means what it says. And by the way, you better use a Bible that gets it straight, because a lot of your newer Bibles don't get this straight, and it is perpetuating the error that we're covering today. 1 John 3, 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Born of God. Look up here. Which part of me is born of God and doesn't commit sin? It's the new nature, not the old nature. The old nature is corrupt. For his seed, God's seed, remains in him. See, this nature is born of God. It's his seed. He cannot sin because he's born of God. Well, wait a minute, but I still sin as a Christian. Wait, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he's born of God. Doesn't say we can't sin. That which is born of God does not commit sin. And when a Christian is living, walking in the spirit, being obedient to the word of God, walking in fellowship with God, he's walking according to his new man and sin will never be the result of that because the new nature can't sin, but the old nature can. And that's why you still sin as a believer. So let's look at the new nature. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. There are many today, though, that deny the fact of the two natures of the believer. One of the chief proponents of the false teaching of Calvinism today, and also of something aptly called lordship salvation, is a very popular John MacArthur. There's nobody more popular on the planet than John MacArthur as far as false teachers go. I know there's some people aren't going to like that, but friend, listen to what he says. Now, well, we could be here for weeks talking about the errors. Number one, he's a Calvinist. Number two, he denies that believers have an old nature. Did you know that? He denies that? He doesn't believe that. You might say, I don't believe that. Well, can I quote him? He states concerning the issues of the two natures, quote, I believe it is a serious misunderstanding to think of the believer as having both an old and new nature. Believers do not have dual personalities. No one said they did, John, whatever that means. That's a straw man, by the way. They do not have dual personalities. There is no such thing as the old nature in the believer, unquote. Could he be clear? At least he's clear in what he believes. He goes on. Then why do Christians sin? Here's what he says. It is not a remaining old nature, but the remaining garment of sinful flesh that causes Christians to sin, unquote. I've got questions. The first is this, and I never saw it until this week. Is he not teaching the eradication of the old nature? That's exactly what he's teaching. Folks, I thought the Bible-believing churches got past that a long time ago and labeled it as heresy. How does he get away with it? Secondly, is he not making up this idea of a garment of sinful flesh? Where is that in the Bible? It's nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. This is false teaching. Now listen, 
While the power of the old nature has been broken, the old nature is still there. In other words, it doesn't have authority over us anymore. We can still submit to it, though, and be in bondage by choice. If that's what we desire to do is live according to the old nature, we can as a believer, not a good choice, not God's will, but we can do it. As a matter of fact, every time we sin, that's what we're doing, is we're going back and paying attention, exercising the old man, all the while still having the new. So how foolish it is to say, well, you know what? If you're not tithing, you don't have this. That's crazy. That's just one example from before. Now, I want you to see something. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, and we see we enter into something here that if you are an honest believer, you know this is true. Galatians 5 and verse 16 See, while the power has been broken, we can still go back to the old nature. But it is not the will of God, and it is wrong. The Lord has provided for us, though, a way to have daily victory over the old man, over the old nature, over the flesh. Galatians 5.16, it says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Look at it. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What does that mean, walk in the Spirit? I'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to notice something very, very important in verse 16. Notice there is no denial that the lusts, the desires of the flesh are still there. Do you see it? They're still there. Yeah, what are people teaching? Walk in the Spirit, and if you don't, you're not saved. Wait a minute, that's not what it says. It says the desires, the lust, the cravings of the flesh are still there, but the way you don't give in to them is instead you walk in the Spirit. So we see there's this battle, okay? John understood it. 1 John 1.8, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. By the way, that doesn't mean you're not saved. It means the truth is not abiding in you. You're not operating according to truth. We do have sin as believers. John, by the way, in 1 John 1, he's writing in 1 John to believers over and over. Beloved, brethren, brethren, beloved, brothers. So we see the reality of the two natures. There's the old nature, there's the new nature. But now we move on. Let's talk about the battle between the two natures. There's a battle between the two natures, okay? The best description I can think of is it's a tug of war between the two. It's a tug of war. And you're being pulled as a believer many times in both directions, okay? Now, the key is how do we get more victory than defeat in that? We'll talk about that in just a minute. But this is like a tug of war. You're in Galatians. Look at chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusteth, wars against, pulls against, wants to put down, wants to have victory over. That's all the concept in the word lusteth, okay? For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that you would. Look up here. Flesh, spirit. For the flesh lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's a conflict between the two, okay? 
So how do you win this conflict? Now we've established the fact, the old nature, the new nature, now we see there's a battle between the two. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. And we've already touched on it, Galatians 5.16. Here's Paul writing about the conflict. As I mentioned earlier, when Paul wrote Romans, he was saved about 25 years. He wasn't a new Christian. By the way, because you'll read these commentators and they'll say, well, Paul was talking about in Romans 7 when it was before he was saved. See, they don't want to admit Christians still sin. That was before he was saved. Now, there's a problem with that. He's writing it in the present tense. This is not past tense. This conflict is a reality issue that believers face. Romans 7, he speaks frankly about the sin nature in him. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. He says, I want to do the right thing, but, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Where? In his flesh. He doesn't find the good. For the good that I would, pay attention now, verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not do, that I do. Now, In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, remember what it says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Everybody wants to say, well, because that's present tense, the word commit means to practice. If you're born of God, they'll say you won't practice sin. Well, there's a problem with that because the truth of it is we do practice sin. You might say, well, I don't don't believe that. Well, the Bible says so. Where is it? It's in verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. The word do there is different than the usual Greek term for do in the Bible. The regular term is the the word poeo, and it means to do a single act. This word do in verse 19 is actually the Greek word for practice. It's a different word, completely different word. It isn't just do a single act. This means to practice something. Now, so many study Bibles say if you're saved, you won't practice sin. If you're practicing sin, you're probably not saved or you're not saved. So many commentators say that. So many preachers say that. And all it does is launch people into confusion. You go to a pastor and you say, why do you say that? Well, that's what I found in my studies. (laughs) You're not believing what God says, okay? The word is practice, proso. The word do at the end of verse 19 is proso, which means practice. Strong's Greek Hebrew dictionary states this. Listen to this. To practice, to perform repeatedly or habitually, thus differing from poeo, which properly refers to a single act. In 1 John 3, verse 19, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. The word commit there is poeo, not practice. It's poeo. It doesn't do one sin. That's why it's referring to the new nature, because the new nature doesn't do one sin. Why? Because it's born of God. If it sinned, it would born of God. That means God can sin. No, this is perfect. It's born of God. It does not commit sin. The old nature is what sins. 
and it loves to sin. This is why believers can live wicked lives. That's alarming to some people. What do you say? We won't cover it. We don't have time. The works of the flesh are listed in Galatians 5, though. Read them. Folks, that's written to believers. Say, this is what your flesh produces. This is what your old nature produces. And folks, it's everything that you can think of that's wicked. But how many times we hear people say, well, if that person was really a Christian, they wouldn't have done that. Well, you know what? They claim to be a Christian, but look what they did. There's no way they're a Christian. Well, you know, I thought they were saved, but they quit coming to church. They obviously are not saved. You hear it all the time. That is false teaching. It is error. It's not biblical. Listen, I'm not making excuses for carnal Christians or Christians who live in sin. I'm just saying we better deal with this accurately and biblically if we want to bring real biblical change and not quit lying to people about their condition. Verse 19 again, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I do that, which I would not that I do. Look at verse 24. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The same one who saved him eternally can deliver him from the power of the flesh, okay? Just like we trusted in Christ to get us to heaven, God wants us to daily be trusting in Christ to deliver us from the power of the sin nature. As we walk by faith in the Lord, that is in fact walking in the Spirit. And so let's talk about the victory of the two natures. The key to victory is, as I've just mentioned, to walk in the Spirit. Back to Galatians chapter 5. And it says in verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Again, the lust of the flesh is still there. The desires of the flesh are still there. How do you fight those? Listen, if you are someone wrestling with addictions, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a Christian wrestling with addictions, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you're wrestling with addictions. And those addictions are part of the outworking of the flesh nature. So how do you get victory over that? It is one step. It is one decision. It is one choice at a time. Choosing God's way over the old way. To walk, he says walk in the spirit. To walk is to take one step after another. It is to live in obedience and dependence upon the Holy Spirit of God. That's where victory is found. Listen, I've counseled lots of people over the years, alcoholics, so forth. They say, I just can't, this thing has just got such a grip on me and all of that. Say, so it's one decision at a time. One right decision is a victory. If you go one hour of right decisions, that's one hour of victory. If you go half a day, it's a half a day. If you go a whole day, it's a whole day. If you go a week, a month, a year, do you get the picture? And folks, it's not just people with addictions. It's any of us who still have sin natures, which is all of us. But you have to be desirous to have the victory. God will provide it. It's a matter of whether we'll take his path or not. Doesn't mean you're not saved if you're struggling. It means that you're struggling. 
It is as we walk in the spirit that we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Also, the opposite would be true. If you don't walk in the spirit, you will fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The key is to exercise the new man and neglect the old man. It's like feeding or working out. Have you ever looked at professional tennis players? Have you ever looked at them closely? You might say, I'm not a big fan of tennis. Okay, I'm just using this as an example, though. And I haven't seen a tennis match in years. Whichever arm is their dominant arm, you look at them. You might say, well, that guy plays tennis with his, with his right arm. Okay, look at his right arm sometime. Look at his right arm compared to his left arm. You're going to find out his right arm is much bigger, more muscular than his left arm. Why? Because that's the one he exercises the most. Therefore, that's the one that gets stronger. Guess what, folks? You have two natures within you. You exercise your old man, that will dominate. You exercise a new man, that will dominate. Well, I don't know if that's a biblical concept. Where is that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. We're going to go there in just a moment. What does it involve, though? having victory. What does it involve have victory with this battle of the two natures? Well, first is this, yielding yourselves to the Lord and then obeying him. What does yield mean? It means to present yourself to the Lord. It's going to him. It's yielding yourself. It's giving yourself up to him, surrendering. It is presenting yourself to him and letting him have his way. This is one decision at a time, one step at a time. Romans chapter 6 and verse 13 It says this, neither yield ye your members, those are their body parts, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Which way are we going to yield? Am I going to yield myself to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit? into the ways of God, or am I going to yield myself the other way? Verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Look at that. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. See, there's the battle, but you can have the victory. The battle, let me give you some examples of the battle. The Holy Spirit gives you the thought, you know what? you need to make time for me today. You need to get into the Word of God today. You need to get into the Word of God today. The old nature says, you know what? I really don't want to do that. I'm busy today. I'll do that later on today if I have time. Well, you know, you've got that stubborn addiction and all that, but you know, one more time won't hurt, right? It's this way is the way it should be. The Lord says, well, you know what? You've got the desire to do that wrong thing. Your old nature is rearing its ugly head. But you know, if you will yield to me and do what I, I'll empower you to do what you ought to do, and you can have victory over that. Flesh, lust against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other. They're butting heads so that you cannot do the things that you would. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. He will help us to have the victory. And so what does this involve? Yielding yourselves to the Lord and then obeying him. Secondly, getting proper spiritual exercise. The Bible does talk about that. I'm not talking physical exercise. That's good too. But more importantly, spiritual exercise. 1 Timothy 4, 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables. Like lordship salvation. I had to throw that in there. Instead, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Exercise. Yeah, you read it right. Exercise. The Greek word, gymnazo. 
Get in the word of God, Bible study. Spend time talking to the Lord in prayer. Be part of the local church, not just come, and that's important and not enough come today to the local church, but come and not only come, get plugged in. If you're just an attender, you're just a taker. You're a consumer. That's not God's will. The blessing of the Christian life is to give, not get. Bible study, prayer, fellowship, witnessing, they'll strengthen you. We grow as believers and become stronger as we exercise the new man and pay attention to the things of the Lord. That's why, you know, maybe a Sunday comes, you say, you know what, I've had a hard week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home today. That's the old nature. I'm going to stay home today. And the new man says, no, get off your butt and get to church. There are people that need you there. Oh, okay, okay. But most people are here. Well, you know, I've had a hard week, this and that. Uh, I'm just going to stay home. No, no, you you shouldn't do that. Oh, you be quiet. You're a legalist. Don't tell me what to do. I'm under grace. I'm not under law. Woo-wee. Third thing is this. Separate from that which is contrary to the nature of God. Folks, listen. Don't feed on the garbage of the world. It'll take away your hunger for the word of God. Don't feed on the garbage of the world. If you don't separate from that which is evil, that's contrary to the word of God, you're exercising the old man and he will dominate you and sooner or later you're going to be defeated. 1 Peter 2.11 says this, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. What is the war? What is the war about? It's the two natures. That's what the war is going on. See, people who continue to dabble, people who continue to play games, Christians now, okay, might say, oh, I just can't have victory in my life. Let me ask you this. How much junk are you consuming spiritually? It's causing a war, a conflict. Listen, when you are fighting between the two, when you exercise this sometimes and you exercise this sometimes, the conflict is fierce because there's one that's not dominating. God wants to dominate through the new nature. He wants to dominate our lives, and that brings the fruit of the Spirit. It's a powerful description of what goes on. If you didn't have a sin nature, there would be no problem with fleshly lusts. But we do have a sin nature, and yet we're born again. And we find ourselves doing things we know we shouldn't do, and yet we get frustrated. Listen, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you're not taking the path that God has given for victory. Christians, listen, God has provided the way of victory for us. I'm not saying it's always easy. What I am saying, though, is it's there if we want it. So the question we began with today, if I'm saved, then why do I still sin? It's because you have a sin nature. And God says, don't yield to it. Instead, yield to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening, and would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.